The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. My family thinks I'm crazy. A podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady. But every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. The hollow earth Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? gentlemen thank you for tuning in to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast on today's episode i talked to my friend author micah dank about one of his books the fourth book in his into the rabbit hole series where he prophesized the pandemic thank you for tuning in enjoy what they do is they weaponize this protein in the jellyfish And what they do is they place it in the mandated global flu vaccine. You can tell truth in fiction and get away with it. If you want to tell the truth, make them laugh or they'll kill you. People, Alex Stein, uh, who have toxoplasmosis, tend to become more risk takers. It's more like a bipolar thing. They become more risk takers. Alex Stein, uh, they go out, they jump on planes, motorcycles. Alex Stein, uh, things of that nature. They end, up, they end up having to infect everyone with toxoplasmosis until their body can clear out this right. jellyfish protein. Friend of the show and your friend too, Alex Stein, uh, has toxoplasmosis. He's famously said that live in Dallas on the Swarm Tape. Yeah, um, you can tell truth in fiction and get away with it because it's like Oscar Wilde said. And this is why I wrote, this is why my characters are, are young, immature, wise asses. It's a funny, they're funny reads. Is that basically Oscar Wilde says, if you want to tell the truth, make them laugh or they'll kill you. If you want to tell the truth, make them laugh or they'll kill you.
We'd love your support. Come check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash MFTIC. That's the place where you can find the scene and everything behind the scenes. You can also go to buy me a coffee slash MFTIC and support us there. Go over to our website, myfamilythinksomecrazy.com. And we're on Rockfin now, folks. So please go over to Rockfin and subscribe. If you are, subscribe to Rockfin. And if you're not, well, it's a great deal. Not only do you get my show, but you get Sam Tripoli and all of the other greats, Isaac Weishaupt, Jay Dyer, Jason Burmis, all guys that have been on this show before. So please go over to rockfin.com and support me, support Tara, support the scene. We're doing this. We're about to be living on the road in a bus for a few months. So we really love your support, and we'd love to share the journey with you, possibly Come check out your town and help you unfold the mystery in your local area because that's what we were doing today. We went down to this place called Makamudis State Park where we heard the Makamudis noise, this great rumbling that's said to come from underground. If you want to hear the whole story, go to patreon.com slash MFTIC. And uh, thank you. Enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Mark Palmer, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. What is up? What is going on? We are back in action. Today is August 18th, 818. Shout out to Stephen Brody Stevens. Enjoy it. Stephen Brody Stevens. It's a great dude. Great comedian. Rest in peace. Very funny guy and very warm to his followers. I remember reaching out to him once on Twitter and he got back to me pretty quickly. Nice guy. But today is 818. Shout out to Brody Stevens. We are here. We are live. We are talking today to Micah Dank. He will be here any moment. Micah Dank is the author of the Into the Rabbit Hole series he is someone who I consider a friend. The first time I saw his email, I was like, oh, this guy's from New York. He's from Long Island. <clears throat> Let me send him my number. Let me reach out to him on a, on a more connected level past email. And he called me and we talked and he went on tinfoil hat and he talked and he went on my show and we talked. And things were a little similar. This is the first Rockfin podcast that I'm doing for the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And you're the first guest. How are you doing today? Good, man. I'm good. I'm good. So you got the you got the books, right? I got the books. I got the hidden archive right here, folks. This is the fifth book. And Micah sent it to me because he was kind enough not only to sign it, of course, very nice of you, but he thanked me. Uh on the third page. So here he is on our My Family Thinks I'm Crazy Rockfin Special Edition podcast. How's life been since uh, since my last life's month? life's been life's been good. Michelle's been a dream. Yeah. Her son is actually writing my script. Right on. Yeah. So she's been hooking me up with great shows. Cool. 
what what's in the what's in the works for that that's coming out on television that's going to be a tv series is that hopefully she's got a bunch of people that she's going to start pitching to once we have the script and once she has the press kit ready now is that information that you want out on the podcast or can we edit oh i don't give a shit that's fine give a fun with that right on right on but yeah, dude, last time I talked to you, we, you were, we were on Instagram and you were at a bar having a good time. And you said, anytime in Long Island, we got to meet up. And I still plan yeah. on honoring that. I'm actually yes. planning on um, hitting the road right now because Food Forest Abundance, Jim Gale hired myself and my girlfriend to create this podcast for them. And right now we need a van. So our goal is to raise some money for a van and uh, get this thing going so we can travel around and create a food forest abundance podcast. Amazing. So that's what's the, what's the podcast going to be about? Well, the food forest abundance mission, which is to get people off of this broken food chain and create an abundance of food in their own backyards. Cause all this space in their lawns is wasted with grass and the grass right. needs to be maintained. You got to pay people to come and cut your lawn. And what do you get? I know where that, you know where that came from, right? Tell her. The Tell fact that we all need grass. Okay. It's because a hundred or 200 years ago, the wealthy, I mean, what did you do with land? You farmed on it. You had to, they didn't have supply chain like we have now. Okay. So you would use land to farm. If you had grass, it served no purpose other than to look nice. And that was a symbol of wealth. Because right. they were wealthy enough that they could they, they could allocate space for grass and not need it to just plant like potatoes or whatever. Ornamental. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So what it eventually turned into was that everybody needed grass, you know, because it kind of morphed into the general consensus. Keeping up with the Jones and people having, you know, a zoning board that says you can only have certain things in your front lawn. Yeah. It's yep. definitely... Uh, part of the the massive matrix that we're in, you know, keeping people dependent on the system. And part of Jim's mission with Food Forest Abundance is to teach people how to collect water, collect solar, and benefit. Isn't collecting water illegal? Well, I guess it's a state-by-state state issue, I'm sure. You know, certain states, they'll be able to. Collecting rainwater is illegal, I know that. But if you're using, I think if you're using it to drink from, Versus using it to water your plants, there might be a discrepancy there. But yeah, it's, I'm sure it's state by state because I know in Connecticut you can actually uh, make money uh, or save money if you apply for a certain grant or whatever, and they'll send you the kit, or you can you know buy it yourself. And it, it's I don't think it's a license or a permit, but it's definitely right. like a water saving thing that the state. It's like, yeah, sure, right. go for it. They incentivize it. So it's definitely state by state. I've heard Colorado is a place where you cannot catch rainwater. That's like the main right. state where where that's a thing. And yeah, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I mean, Mother Earth is all of ours to participate in. And the biggest abusers of Mother Earth are the people that are most protected by the state, corporations and all that. So, you know, it's just really them exercising their power over the people more than anything else. But mm -hmm. yeah, man, I mean, obviously we got a lot in common. We got a lot we can talk about here, but I wanted to, you know, really get into the synchronicity of the topic of your book series and how it's taken the turn that it did 
right before this whole COVID thing happened, you know that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Tell me that. I was like, wow, that's pretty profound that you were writing about this, you know, a year or so before anything, you know. Three years. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you had, you know, and this is something that I've learned about through my research. One book in particular, Mark Booth uh, wrote The Secret History of the World, where he talks about, you know, spirit or this muse that guides certain people and, you know, downloads. People in this community are very familiar with that. But would you say that some type of process like that, you know, where you got in touch with yourself, your higher self and your higher self possibly, you know, relayed this information in a, in a prophetic yeah, absolutely. way? So, so. I'm going to give away a little spoiler. We're talking about my fourth book here, which is called Pangea's Pandemic, right. which I wrote in 2017, 2018. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you the plot of it and I'm going to tell you what they end up figuring out, how they do it. So, but it's a great book, so you can read it anyway. So <clears throat> there's a jellyfish in Japan called the Irukanchi jellyfish. Okay. And this particular jellyfish is special for a reason because when it stings you, it's a rare jellyfish, but when it stings you, one of the things it leaves you with is an impending sense of doom. Like they've been documented people that have been stung by this thing. When they go to the doctor, they're just begging the doctor to end their life. Like it fills them with fear. Okay. And uh, it, ha it sticks for a little while for like a week or two. And then what they did is there's, I have the consulate of fortitude republics which is basically the CFR in disguise, CFR, Consulate for Food Republic, CFR. What they do is they weaponize this protein in the jellyfish. And what they do is they place it in the mandated global flu vaccine. Okay. So that basically when you get the vaccine after a two day latency period, you start to, it's basically like bird box. People just start taking their own life. You know, it's population control. And my main characters have to figure out what to do with it. Now, what they end up having to do with it is they try a whole bunch of stuff. They try ketamine nasal sprays. They try literally everything you could think of. What they end up figuring out is that there was a study done on rats with toxoplasmosis. Okay. And rats with toxo, okay, don't, are not afraid of cat piss. Okay. Cause cats mark their territory with that. But when a rat would smell it, usually they would get scared. So it made them more, um, more like fearless, you know, basically it made them more fearless. Now, people who have toxoplasmosis tend to become more risk takers. You know, it's, it's more like a bipolar thing. They tend to become more risk takers. They go out and they, you know, they jump out of planes, you know, they have bikes, they have uh, motorcycles, things of that nature. So what they end up having to do is they end up having to infect everyone with toxoplasmosis until their body can clear out this right. jellyfish protein. Well, you know, I will no, say just a little side note, a uh, friend of the show and your friend too, Alex Stein, uh, has toxoplasmosis. He's famously said that live in Dallas on the swarm tape. Yeah. Oh, well, he's got four cats. He's got four cats. Yeah. See, the thing is, is you can live with toxo. You can live with toxo. It's a parasite in your brain. You can live with it, but it does make you more fearless and more. And if you look at Alex's work, like he'll go in front of school boards and just like troll them. You know, he's fearless when he goes out and he does this. And he's got a very specific uh, brand and personality. I actually told him that I'm going to put him in my seventh book. Mm. <laughs> I told him I'm going to put him in my seventh book as like an interviewer. Well, because uh, my cat. Oh, go ahead. Because my characters are going to basically do a TV interview. Mm. 
Well, I definitely want to put you in touch with this woman on the topic of parasites. She and I talked, uh, and you sent me this book. I wasn't expecting how graphic the title would be, but <laughs> rope worm protocol. And it's, uh, about human ascension, believe it or not. And I was really fascinated by the term, you know, eating to ascend is what she talks about, but it's all about, you know, removing these parasites and not to diverge too far from the topic because she is a, she's a victor rather than a victim of Morgellons disease, which I remember learning about. There is a lot of study on Morgellons. There's a lot of people who don't even believe it's real. Right. And I, I've thought it was always so strange that like these plastic almost wires would be like growing inside of people and then you know for someone like yourself who writes fiction and it, it seems like when we look at it in a prophetic timeline kind of way you're writing about this stuff sort of receiving like the future ahead of time you know i'm curious to like think maybe like you know the the mr fantastic plastic arms and like that kind of thing like you know all of this sci-fi stuff from the from the 50s and 60s where that sort of where the nexus point is between that fiction and what's happening now you know and and here's an example with your work where you know you actually wrote something that's very much like what's going on in the past year or so Right. Which is, which is pretty incredible because I always say a lot of people, I was just basically the muse for this. Like I had ideas for story plots and storylines. I started out with that. And then what I would do is when I would think of like a quirky thing that the characters could say, I'd write it down. Whenever I found a piece of information, like Chuck Palahniuk writes in his books, he basically just throws information out there and it's up to you if you want to look it up. That's kind of what I base my books around. I do know, which is kind of like a mix between Dan Brown, Palahniuk, you know, and a bunch of others. But basically... I, I'm the first to say is, is that I'll outline the first three chapters and then I'll just start typing the, the, the characters, conversations and story will just come to me. Like, like I'm receiving a major download. I'm basically just the vessel creating this. So I'll outline like seven or eight chapters and I'm like, all right, I'll start writing. Then by the time I get to chapter three, it's in a completely different place. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is what we're doing right now. It's kind of just like, I'm learning the story as I'm writing it. Right. Like I don't have it planned out. And that's how I did the six books. You know, I banged out my first book took two and a half years to write because I was just still learning all the information. I didn't know my voice yet. And then I wrote the next five in another two years, mm. you know? So you're absolutely right. And it's kind of like a download, a collective consciousness. I talk about the Akashic records in, um, in book one, where basically the character has an out of body experience where he accesses. Now this isn't how the Akashic records literally work. But he goes into the ether and he basically plucks a book out of the out of a different dimension mm. and he just scrolls to where he needs to figure something out and there's the answer right there so that's how he, he downloads the answer so that's basically it so yeah i do talk about that and that is that is in a sense uh not too far from what happens i mean i myself love going into used bookstores because i think there's more potential there but any bookstore will do uh, book chains and whatnot, you know, these, these moments where just a random book will be there and it calls to you for whatever reason, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you grab it and you might not read the whole thing then and there, but eventually you pick it up and it has some information that's extremely relevant to your immediate environment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's happened to me 
more often than not. And I think that's a way that, you know, the Akashic record speaks mm -hmm. to us, but on the process of writing itself, like what kind of mind state would you be in? Cause I know a lot of people, you know, at first, whenever they do anything creative, they they can be very critical of themselves and their ego might get in the way. So were there any meditative practices or any sort of mental tricks that you had starting? When if anything, if anything, my problem has always been I had an abundance of material to talk about. See, the way I treated these six books is kind of like my magnum opus, the things I teach people in the books and the things I talk about. Astrotheology is the main theme throughout the six books, and it's basically the elites using it against us, okay? And teaching people astrology and astrotheology and decoding Bible phrases and things of that nature with that, that's kind of like what I do, you know? And as far as, I've always had too much information, you know? So what I'll do is I'll start, like I told you, I'll basically write down on a quirky thing or a funny conversation I had in my head with myself, and I'll, I'll make that a dialogue. You know, I'll write this down in a Word document. And then what I'll do is after like two months or so, I'll just print the Word document out and I'll have like 18 pages. So I'll take a highlighter and I'll go through the pages and I'll be like, I want this and this and this and this in the first page or in the first chapter. This goes in the second. This goes. And then I start to build the story around it that way, you know, but it mostly always comes to me. Like I've never had a lack of inspiration, so to speak. You know, the stories just basically come to me in my fourth book, Pegasus Pandemic, that I just talked to you about. I, um, I wrote in the disclaimer that I wrote this in 2017, 2018. So if it mirrors anything today, I just want you to know that this, this is prepackaged. I wrote this three, four years ago. Yeah, I noticed that. And I definitely think that that's, that that's, you know, why I wanted to talk about this because something I've been diving into is synchronicity and you know mm -hmm. one uh, one book really that stood out to me was time and the technosphere by jose argales and he the way he lays it out it almost seems you know after everything i've read uh, and people i encourage you to go check out his work it seems like we're in a time right now that is sort of energetically or vibrationally different than anything that's gone on in the past 2000 and year, 2000 years or so. I mean, and well, it's the golden age of Aquarius, right? You know, we're in, we're in Aquarius. It's the golden age. You know, the, the interesting thing too, is that Mark, like me and you and many of the people that are alive, most of your fan base, we've seen the change of a century, a millennia and a Zodiac sign. And if you look at the course of history, that has never happened ever. And it will never happen again. It just so happened it worked out that way. So there's a lot of energy shifting with us. There's a lot of energy shifting. You know, we're in the golden age and the elites know this. The elites know there's about to become an explosion, you know, of people just becoming enlightened. And you already start seeing this with the pushback with, with everything with, you know, the president and everything that's going on right there, not to talk about politics or anything, because I don't like to. But people are getting sick of it. I saw a video of Macron after he, in France, after he mandated the vaccine passports and a bunch of people drove a dump truck by his building and just sprayed shit all over his walls. So they're just sick of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, people are sick of it. And that's what was happening before this whole pandemic. There was the yellow jacket movement. People were upset. 
you know, about all these different things going on in the UK that led to them splitting out of the EU. You know, we had for years people in the Middle East revolutions going on and obviously our government and the whole Five Eyes network, whatever they want to call themselves, has done everything they can and Israel as well to manipulate governments that want to accelerate and look towards other things outside of oil, outside of, you know, mm -hmm. these up down capitalist structures, which I'm not advocating for communism folks, but there's definitely this sort of corporate fascism that comes along with playing the ball game with the West. Right. And, you know, I wholeheartedly think that that game is become harder and harder to play because of the extreme level of documentation that we can now achieve with the amount of cameras, audio recordings. That but down the side plate, but then the answer to that is disinformation. Well, and I'm not talking about disinformation like the White House says they're coding disinformation. That's not disinformation. I'm talking about there's people at, we're talking controlled opposition. Well, and here's my, here's my thought though. So considering what you know about astrotheology and Aquarian age, like there's clearly, this is a side effect of that. You know, they see that, you know, it's harder and harder to pull off a hoax, harder and harder to pull off these tricks. And the game has shifted to exactly what you're saying, where there's counter oppositions, there's co-ops that go on where people get co-opted or you know, apparently Alex Jones, who had Joe Rogan, you know, anybody who gets big enough, you know, there's always that rumor of they, well, they had the conversation and they turned, even Russell Brand, I think was somebody who I heard, you know, he was getting into this stuff and then eventually got too big with this podcast and, you know, turned, but there's a lot going on. You don't remember pictures of him with the anonymous mask and the guy Fox mask when he was in the march with everybody? No, I, that didn't come across. He was at a protest. He was, he was part of a protest. Okay. And they think they took a picture of him with the Guy Fawkes mask, like over his head over here, but his eyes were out and he was texting someone. Right. So he, he was big into this, you know, Eminem too. Eminem was pretty big into this too, but I think they had the talk with him too. The rapper B.O.B. Okay. B.O.B. was huge into this kind of stuff. You know, he, he, he basically made woke music. You've got rappers like Immortal Technique, R.A. the Rugged Man. You know, they, they still do this kind of thing. Tom McDonald is blowing up. Look at the stuff he's talking about. Right. Right. You know, I, I just saw. Yeah. No, and I, I totally, I'm with you. I mean, Immortal Technique, Jedi Mind Tricks, Army of the Pharaohs. Like, these are all groups that. Even Prodigy years back from Mondi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, Professor Griff, too. Who was on Tinfoil Hat. He actually, people can go back and listen. He gave out his uh, cell phone number when he was on Tinfall Hat. And he was like, if nobody believes me, then just call me up yourself and I'll explain it to you. Like, I, I thought, you know, that was a true uh, misstep, but an OG move. You know, I don't know how many calls he must have got, but I guarantee he changed his number by now. That's, yeah. I mean, underground rap was huge, a huge part of me sort of at a young age, getting into all these subjects and in a synchronistic way, of course, because for people who've listened to the show, they know, you know, I've 
met somebody who moved all the way from Arizona to take this warrior's prayer in front of the tomb in High Street, you know, to pray for Geronimo's skull and bones that were robbed from by the bushes by the bushes and then sure enough a couple years later and this is at a point where i'm like screw it i'm leaving community college there's nothing here for me i i wanted to study anthropology anthropology ended up you know meeting me in a park i met this guy from a whole nother you know part of the world taught me this story it didn't really sink in until like in a synchronistic way until i was delivering bread the day george hw bush died and I was in the house that he used to own in New Haven, Connecticut. And I didn't real I didn't make that connection until that day because I saw it in a newspaper that was on the, you know, in the room that I was in delivering these pastries like I did every Tuesday morning. Yeah. So that's like where I kind of really shifted because then I, I was just listening to podcasts then. And I was like, no, 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 this is like this is something that you need to be doing more, you know, more of looking into this stuff. Cause I, at that point in my life, like I was thinking maybe I'd go out to the West coast and grow pot or something. And like, I really, I didn't want to be a delivery guy, but synchronistically now, you know, talking about all the things that I've been, you know, bugging my family about and hence the, the name of my show, my family thinks I'm crazy, but yeah, Mike, I think the, the Illuminati hand symbol research that you've done probably makes you someone who can see through that kind of veil that's put up in the popular culture, you know, with, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. The Egyptians, when they were the most prevalent people on earth. Okay. When they were the most famous, they had the book of the dead. That was their book. Okay. The 10 commandments come from the book of the dead chapter 125. It's called the 12 negative confessions. Okay. If you ever open up the book of the dead and then you go to the 12 negative confessions, chapter 125, you'll see that's where the 10 commandments were lifted from. The Egyptians were the most prevalent people you see. And, and Taurus is the bull. That was the age of the bull. You see countless pictures of the bull with the horns and the sun between it. You know, they're telling you they're worshiping Taurus, you know, they start to fade. And then the Jewish people come up, they have the old Testament. Okay. They're the people of Aries, the Ram. That's why the Jewish people still in the high holidays, they blow the Ram's horn to the sky because it's, it's, it's astral worship. That's all it is. Right. You know, then they start to fade. Okay. After time of Aries and then the Christians come up in Pisces. That's the two fish. That's why Jesus could feed the mass. That's why Jesus feeds the masses with two fish, right. two fishes and loaves of bread. Okay. The bread is Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk and the fish are Pisces. Those are opposing signs in the Zodiac. That's why they wrote that in there. Okay. The vesica Pisces. Okay. The center of it is the Jesus fish. Okay. And the Jesus and the, the vesica Pisces, it's, it's equation is 247 over 153. That's his mathematical equation. Now, 153 is it's important because when Jesus is walking alongside the uh, lake, after he's resurrected and he sees the disciples fishing, he tells them to throw the net to the other side. Okay. So he does, and they catch 153 fish. See, this is all encoded. Okay. Now we're in a new age of Aquarius. Okay. Now we're too young in this age to see what happens, but if you follow suit with how it's been, with what I just outlined, there's going to be a new global religion, whether it's technocracy or it's going to be merging with machines. It's the sign of the man. Okay. So it's the sign of the man. So it's the evolution of the man. Right. And that's 
perfect because that's where I was hoping to head it with this conversation is like with that research of what celebrities seem to be doing and with what we see as symbolism in pop culture, like we can already maybe see hints of what the Aquarian age would become. Like you just said, merging with machines and, and becoming a part of this AI world. I often think, you know, what you're doing as an author is 10 times more important than what I'm doing as a podcaster, because your books, once somebody buys it, puts it on their shelf, no EMP is going to destroy a book, you know, right. As like my podcast, unless I keep it on some kind of separate drive, there's no, you know, or back it up with Matt Raymer content safe past yeah. guest, you know, there's no way for me to completely control or know if this is going to last, you know, whereas a book, you know, I have books that are a couple hundred years old, you know, or at least like right. written a couple hundred years ago. Well, for Mark, that's why I wrote fiction. Right. I wrote fiction because like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, 1984, Jules Verne. What's that other one? Like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm. you know, things like that nature. You can tell truth in fiction and get away with it because it's like Oscar Wilde said. And this is why I wrote, this is why my characters are, are young, immature, wise asses. It's a funny, they're funny reads. Is that basically Oscar Wilde says, if you want to tell the truth, make them laugh or they'll kill you. And that's the truth. Now with my work with the Illuminati hand symbols, which I think you've seen, okay, I prove that basically it's just a psyop to keep you busy. Okay. I, I trace the history of all these hand symbols. Okay. And they all, all go back to either astrology or a very positive place. Okay. Mm -hmm. They've been inverted, perverted, and misused. Right. So whenever you see this, or whenever you see this, or whenever you see this, you know, any of that kind of stuff. That's just the psyop. That's just to keep the internet people, the religious people who, who, who think that's from the devil, you know, that's, that's, it's to keep them busy. And it's also a way of getting people interested in this sort of topic, subject, area of research. And now what we see happening, like I was alluding to with the whole podcasting thing. It's like people are being sort of put in these camps like, all right, these are the conspiracy theory people and more and more people join this camp. And then the media, you know, says, oh, well, all conspiracy theory is connected to, you know, extremism in this shape or fashion. Right. And then that becomes the next target. And I see that happening. I mean, you, you see now with podcasting, they have transcript software that's coming out. I mean, that's right. great and all if you want to, you know, talk, you know, touch butt comedy podcasts and get your, you know, SEO. But for me as a podcaster, you know, I like the anonymity that the RSS feed can provide and then making a transcript right. where somebody can easily just go and search keywords and say, well, this person said this here and make it really easy for people like Shane Gillis, who got canceled from his job right. uh, SNL. from SNL. Right. Yeah. You know, and I've talked to Matt McCusker, his co-host on, uh, on my episode, I think it was episode, doesn't matter what number it was, but either way we talked and it's very obvious that that hasn't helped, but it also hasn't hurt much because they're doing very, very well with their podcast despite that. But I think that's because we're still in this like testing period where whatever this technology is right now. Uh, is, is being, you know, 
the people are allowed to just go about, you know, freely and do what they want for now. But who knows? Maybe they're going to lock it down. Maybe guys like Ernie Hancock with the IPFS, the satellite technology, they'll be able to back it up and make a whole right. new level of the internet. But I do. Well, I will tell you, Aquarian Age has that, you know, all of that symbolism within it. Well, I'll tell you this, Mark. I think part of the reason that I, I've done maybe 175 podcasts in the last 13 months. Okay. You know, I'm everywhere. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I will tell you this much. The reason that my, my episodes don't get flagged and the reason I fly under the radar is because I don't touch things like 9-11 vaccines or politics. Mm. I don't. I stick to the decodings and I stick to this, which is controversial in itself, but there's no real, there's no real laser focus on this. You know, that's what I'm trying to do with the book series. I'm trying to, you know, elevate the consciousness of people. Right. Well, and you know, you bring up 9-11, we're coming close to the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I definitely mm -hmm. think that synchronistically, that's a moment in time that needs to be analyzed. I mean, the two towers becoming one, we're talking here about the right. Pisces, which is a dual nature sign becoming one, the Aquarian, which is the water bearer, you know? Right. Now, did you know that the Ethiopians have a 13 month calendar instead of a 12 month calendar? Ah, now you're talking my language. So folks, this is a perfect time to plug the synchronistic exploration of the ever expanding now where we get into that. Yes, Micah, tell me more about oh, the 13 moon. So they have some, they have 13 months. They have 13 months of, they have 12 months of 30 days and one month of five days. Okay. So not all calendars are the same. The Jewish calendar is almost 6,000 years old. The Chinese calendar is 4,500 years old, maybe a little bit more, you know, we don't all follow the, the uh, calendar that we use, you know, the Gregorian, the Caesarian, whatever you want to call it. We don't all follow this. Now it's important. Do you know what day the new year falls for the Ethiopians? 9-11. 9-11, September 11th. Is that That's the day they celebrate the new year. Coincidentally, a lot of researchers have come out saying that Jesus was born on 9-11. Now, I don't believe he was real, but a lot of them come out and say 9-11. It's a very powerful day. There was a dog that died at the World Trade Center. I didn't realize why they made such a big deal out of this. One dog died. Okay. Do you remember Recently? its name? No. At 9-11. Oh, okay. 20 years During ago. the event. Got it. During the event, one dog died and it splashed all over the news. Do you remember its name? <laughs> I'm sure it had something to do with Ethiopia. It was serious. The dog died. Ah, right. They, oh they made sure to tell you that it was serious. Well, folks who've listened uh, a couple episodes ago know that I was just at a bookstore called The Serious Reader, the Dog Star Bookstore, and it's like the symbolism is there. I got a really yeah. interesting book kind of hinting at Tartaria, but we'll get into that in a future episode. But yeah, man, I definitely, I mean, that's not a coincidence at all. And then to no. put it even further, I mean, even so the Ethiopians, they're the only ones that still have the book of Enoch in their Bible. Right. Okay. And in Ethiopia, they supposedly have the Ark of the Covenant. Right. And, you know, if we want to take it another level, the AI software that they're using to, you know, run these different transcripts and learn human language, the two languages they're teaching at first. English and Ethiopian. Yep. 
<laughs> so there's more to it and the layers are so thick and that's why i think you know you as somebody who's an author who kind of downloads this stuff you're hiding it in fiction you're giving the the seeds for people to plant in their own mental gardens that will then blossom into you know researching this stuff and adding to the overall collage that you and i are adding to right now you would be surprised what people have offered me i've gotten offered people's summer houses in Hawaii to use. I had some guy tell me that he would drive down from upstate New York and bring me, he grows his own mushrooms uh, and he would bring them down. He would drive them down to me anytime. I've been offered drugs. I've been offered people's houses. I've been offered everything you could imagine, you know, and it's, it's a little wild. It's, it sure is interesting. But you know? the 9-11 symbolism, I mean, to take it even further, 9 and 11, they're like a transition period between, you know, when you count, right? You have sections of 10 and, you know, 10 is binary, one and zero, but 9 and 11, you know, there's definitely even connecting to the Vesica Pisces there. I mean, it's, it's encoded. I mean, we've had sk bain on uh tinfoil hat a couple months ago and he goes into how all of those numbers in 9-11 are connected to numerology that alistair crowley was playing with who was researching john d's work and all the enochian magic that they were doing so i mean it it goes always around i mean and the bush family who was <laughs> allegedly and not allegedly, I'm pretty sure they were very much involved in that event. Have oh, yeah, Prescott Bush financed both sides of the war. Right. But that they have genealogical ties to Aleister Crowley. So we're taking it to They know, do, because I'm pretty sure that Al was Barbara Bush's father. Right. That's what the rumor I mean, look at a picture of them. They're the same face. Yeah. And and her mother, her mother, Barbara Bush's mother was a known socialite who used to go to Paris, which is where she met Crowley. And she had a threesome with one of her friends and him. Right. You know, and supposedly she got pregnant there. And from there, you got Barbara Bush. Exactly. Well, Micah, you know, if we want to go further into these topics that you don't generally talk about, we're on Rockfin. We're good, brother. I mean, do you think that what they're trying to put in our veins is a part of this Aquarian age symbolism parting, like putting us in the middle. It's hard to, it's hard to tell. Um, it, it's really, it's hard to tell because there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there and not just the standard disinformation that they're talking about. But basically if you go on Twitter, you know, which is where I get most of my news from, cause you're not going to get this news. You know, it's the people that I follow, you know, they're, they're great researchers. Like, you know, Amy says W2EF, do you know, Amy? Yeah. 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 Amy's, you know, she's wonderful. She's incredible. She just did a whole video about where she basically debunked that Donald Trump is the hero. And she got such pushback and such hatred from the internet from it. But basically she goes through all the, the, the bloodlines, you know, all of these presidents are related to Charlemagne. You know, they're all just following suit. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we're talking about how Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer you know, when the vaccine was being developed under Trump, they said that they wouldn't trust it and they wouldn't take it. Suddenly Biden's in office and now it's good. You know, I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest with you. I think that. I mean, it, I want to see long term studies, you know, but they basically blanket silence any information. 
right. you know, that, that comes out. And it's crazy. It's cr- crazy. This, this silencing of the information and the White House is really taking it up a notch with telling Facebook what to ban, you know, this and that, the Hunter Biden story, you know, the laptop story, all his nonsense that he's dealing with. It's like, and, and then you, you talk to your everyday people who are kind of still asleep on Facebook and they're just repeating what they hear on the news. And it's like for all this talk about how Brian Stelter's crying about how he doesn't have as many followers as like Rogan, you know, where he's saying that it's not good, you know, and he has all these low ratings. People are still hooked to the news. We've got to do a better job at getting alternative information out there. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I think we're in a swell of alternative media. And I just saw today when looking for Conspiracy Castle on YouTube that there was this Viceland documentary or short that was like where conspiracy theorists get their information and how it's all lies as if people are going to just one source. I mean, it's crazy Mm -hmm. when I, you know, look for guests for Sam, there's infinite amounts of places to go to, it seems, because so many people are either writing books like yourself about these subjects right. or creating a podcast, just talking about uh-huh. it on Instagram, you know, Twitter, right. what have you. I think the, the journalists, they've become pretty, you know, much a part of what you were describing before this co-opt and getting people mm-hmm. to be a part of this division that was played and preyed upon in the Piscean age, the old playbook. But I think the new playbook is like, you know, this information war, right? And it's what Lenin said. It's what Lenin said. Lenin said, Lenin said, the best way to have an opposition is if we control it, you know? Right. But there's people out there, like, even with like Alex Jones or Sam Tripoli or like you or me, there's people out there that'll say they're, they're, they're co-opted or they're, they're, um, they're paid off or this, that, and the other thing. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter even like David Icke, for example, or like even Hotep Jesus, or just like all these people out there that are just putting out information. Um, we're being accused of being shills, you know? So it's kind of like, okay, where do you get your real information from? Because they'll accuse you of that, but then they'll talk to you about Q, you know, it's kind of funny. You do understand is that December 21st, 2012 is when we left, is when we left Pisces. That was the end of the Mayan calendar. And the the disinformation was that it was the end of the world. They made a movie about it. You know, it's the same thing that happened with Y2K. Everybody just collective, an individual is smart. Collectively, people are dumb animals. You know, there's group psychology that shows that IQ drops in groupthink. It's just, it it, it forms down, it, it I can have an intelligent conversation with you, but if there's 5,000 people in the room, you're going to use short catchphrases. That's why it works in politics, you know, build back better or MAGA, things like that, because that, that's how you have to talk so that everybody's on the same page. You can't get through a, a, a convoluted thought process with a large group of people. You just can't do that. That's changing though with the, you know, I mean, podcasting is certainly long form. We can have these conversations and thousands and thousands of people will listen. You know, I mean, the attention, which by the way, congratulations on, congratulations on hitting 35,000. Thank you. Yeah, We've, I mean, 
We've doubled. You're probably way more than that. Yeah, we doubled it now since we last published anything about that. So thank you very much. I I appreciate that. Congratulations, man. Yeah, Yeah, you're one of the few shows that I can come on and just talk. Usually, people want me to decode things, but it's it's good to be able to get stuff out. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's definitely something that I appreciate more because this is that this is my style. Uh, of right. you know, just going with the flow, but yeah, I mean, and also getting down to who you really are. Cause I think part of why my family thinks I'm crazy is because I don't have a full-time job folks. And a lot of podcasters do. I mean, if you consider podcasting a full-time job, good for you. There's only a few people that are making significant amount of money doing it, but you know, I found ways of making it work, you know, like Sam says, freelance, you know, independent contractor. So I, obviously I make money several ways working with podcasters. And I definitely think that this is a part of the goal of the show is showing people like, listen, you don't have to go and be a delivery guy at Amazon. Like I used to be, you can do something you love and, and write a book. You can create a podcast. You can go out on the road. You can, you know, become an adventurer, you know, in whatever sense of adventure your passion takes you to, you know? Uh Absolutely. I agree. That's, that's, that's the best thing. You know, you have to be happy. Right. So getting to my question, how did that become a reality for you? Obviously writing a book series doesn't come out of thin air, you know, what were you like, you know, I assume you're, you're a little bit older than me, but you look pretty young, Mike, I would guess you, you're probably like in your thirties, maybe that's 38, yeah, 37. Okay. 37. Right so, and I'm, I'm 10 years younger than you. I'm 26. So where were oh, wow. you at? Maybe when if I was, might. if I had your brain, if I had your brain at my age, when I was your age, I was just getting drunk. Like I'd always deep rabbit hole. I was always in the rabbit hole. You know, and I would just argue with people on Facebook. And then when I started learning about astrotheology and I realized this is the key, this is everything. I want to talk about this. I want to do this for a living. Everything changed, you know, and uh, I just realized that arguing on Facebook with people was, was, was just like sheeple stuff. You know, that wasn't that to me, I I don't want to do that. Argue on Twitter, argue on Facebook. I I didn't want to do that. I wanted to reach the masses. So I wrote the first book we had, I pitched it to a bunch of agents. I got like a hundred rejections, nothing happened. And, uh, then finally I got an agent that picked me up and then we pitched it to a bunch of TV series. Well, what I did was I self-released, I self-published the first book under a different title and a different pen name. Okay. It didn't really work out. So I got my agent with my second book. Okay. And the publishing houses were like, this is already mid series. We can't pick it up. So I deleted all remnants of my first book and I repitched it as a different series. And then that got me the six book deal. Okay. You know, he read the first one and he was like, I'll sign you for all six. And I was like, that's fine. And you know, and the sixth one's about to come out right there. I mean, that's very similar to how my thing started. I mean, I was doing a YouTube podcast, a triangle that went nowhere. And eventually, you know, I kept that. I kept thinking about podcasting. Sam gave me an opportunity. And he was like, Hey dude, the name of your show sucks. You ought to change it. And you know, this was born. Right. So, I mean, you right. definitely have to have the ability to be like, okay, maybe I need to change things up. And it sounds to me like you made that change and it worked out in a big way. I did because now I'm not arguing with people on Facebook about my information <laughs> anymore. Now, yeah. now people are coming out to me 
and buying my book series directly from me, signed from the house, or they're on Amazon, or they're just reaching out to me to tell me how interesting this info is. So it's it's completely changed everything. Yeah, and I encourage people, if you hear this, and then you buy Micah's book, let him know you heard him on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, because... I want to generate an audience of readers. I'm a reader. I found this amazing book recently called Spirit in the Stone. It's the secrets of megalithic America, but it goes and connects Montauk, which is a point that's pretty Long Island. Right? How far away from that is you if you were to take a drive to it? Like, dude, it's far. It's the end of the island. It's like three hours. Okay. So not close, but either way, you know, in a geographic sense, you're a part of Long Island. It's a part of who you are. And in this way, there's a, a Hamanasset line that connects Montauk Point with these alignments somewhere near Woodstock, New York. And we talk about, you know, the age of Aquarius. We talk about this 60s movement. Where did that happen famously? In Woodstock, New York, right? This place where everybody got together, free love, we're changing and everything's going to change from here on out. And a lot of people did that. A lot of people went and made their... Do you realize that during Woodstock, we were, we were also hit with the pandemic? You know, there was the Hong Kong flu. Interesting. And we can get it. We were, hit with that. Yes. We, we were in the Hong Kong flu back then, and it wasn't treated the way it's treated now. I'll tell you this much right now. Mm. Well, I remember when I was in high school, there was the swine flu and we got like an yeah. extra week off and it was, it felt like a drill for what's going on now. And it very well could have been like, you know, the same case with Hong Kong flu or, you know, and that sounds to me like it had to do a lot with maybe immigration too, you know, the name of that. There was this moment in time that preempted this 2012 point. Where, and I don't know, I mean, if there's a relevance time-wise, I'll have to do the math there, but geographically, you know, you're in that area and here we are now is stone, our stone alignments. The second book is about stones, right? And, and the alignment. Yeah, the sacred stones. Yeah, exactly. The so, pyramids. So past that, have you interacted with any megalithic structures in your life? and you know visited because i personally believe that these places that we can visit magnetize us in a way that puts us in touch with our higher selves and then because of that the totality of spirit and the connected well you know that you know that pyramids are they're they're just agents of vibration basically they are pyramids are energy nodal points that's all they are the guy built a pyramid 10 years ago on his land, he was a farmer on his land in the Midwest, or is in the South, I think. Okay. Now he planted stuff throughout the food and then he put up a uh, pyramid. Well, it turns out that the stuff that grew in the pyramid grew four times faster than the stuff that grew outside the pyramid. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading about these Russian structures that are shaped like pyramids, but they wouldn't, you wouldn't traditionally like see it as a pyramid because it's kind of more uh, acute of an angle than uh, the traditional pyramid, which is like pretty even. You're, you stand in these like hollow pyramidal towers and it creates this, you know, energy that's supposedly very healing. And I remember reading all about Russia and how they have this sort of underground spiritual culture in this way. 
And even so far, I think in theosophy, they say that Russia will carry the spiritual torch in the Aquarian age or the next age. And I'm curious to know if you've come across anything about Russia or that side of the world and uh, if it comes through in your book. Not really. I don't really get too much into Russia or that side of the world. We know that China owns our debt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We know that we know that we have to make backdoor deals with them so they don't cash in on it. Mm. Because you know that Richard Nixon in 1971, we used to have gold backing oil. Okay. And he made a deal that basically said that that oil can only be traded in U.S. dollars. And that is the only thing inflating our economy right now. That is the only thing. Okay, so oil is a big deal. Mm. Okay. Now, a lot of people aren't talking about electric cars. It's because you don't realize that the amount of carbon offset that it takes to mine these lithium veins. Okay. Cars output in the United States, I think 19 million pounds of debris. Mining lithium takes 21. And then these batteries, they're non, they, they don't, what do you call it? They don't disintegrate, you know? So in 50 years, we're going to have a whole bunch of Teslas that are going to be dead in the graveyard, mm. you know? And, and these, it's hard enough to get rid of a battery to begin with, but I mean, we're just, <laughs> something's going to happen. If you look at the, the trajectory of, of what the U.S. is doing right now, Basically, Biden, when he first got back into office, how he raised the price of insulin again, mm. okay, after Trump had lowered it, okay, you know, the Raytheon, the Raytheon contracts, you know, everything, you know, pulling out of Afghanistan so that now China can have a backdoor deal with them. Like, it's, it's, it's not looking good. You know, we're, <clears throat> we're a facade. You know, we're a facade. It's kind of like the the 60 year old wrestler. That's just huge, but he's like broken on the inside. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of like we're, we're crumbling, mm. you know, and uh, there's going to be a revolution because people are not standing for this, you know, stay at home stuff. Right. Or just everything that's going on. They're not dealing with that. Yeah. There's going to be eventually a straw that, you know, breaks the proverbial camel's back and. I'm wondering if that does happen, what are your plans? I mean, are you going to stay there on that island there? <laughs> you want to get out? No, no, no. We're going to go nowhere or what, what are your plans for the future? We're going to, we're going to get out. We're going to get out. Me and my wife, we're going to get out. Yeah. You know, New York is, New York is just going to hell. And uh, there's a lot of places out there. Everyone's moving to Texas, Florida. Right. You know, and it's just it's interesting to see what's going on right now. I should say that much. Yeah. My, I mean, like I said, in the beginning of the conversation, I'm trying to get a, a van to live in, you know, because it seems like that might be the most flexible option. You know, I don't want to be tied into a state that might, you know, force something into my body that I don't want, you know, and Oh, look at this little spider crawling down my laptop there. <laughs> but yeah. And, and, it seems like hitting the road is the smartest option because then you're flexible enough to get to a state like South Dakota that has, you know, promised not to ever mandate that. I believe it's South Dakota, possibly is North Dakota, but either way, mm -hmm. there are places like Idaho, Iowa, where things are freer right now. 
I think, you know, moving west, but not too west, because it seems like what's going on in California is not exactly much different than what might happen in New York. And I remember nope. even before the whole pandemic situation, there was talk of Israel buying New York City to create these smart cities. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those smart cities is like Austin, Texas or something. Because, I mean, look at all the tech people that have navigated towards there after L.A shut down mm -hmm. and yeah i'm sure there's others maybe seattle but vancouver but it it's just it's definitely seems like we're heading towards a situation where people are aggregated in cityscapes and told that oh well the natural world is so fragile that you guys as human beings shouldn't be allowed to go there. We need to preserve nature, you know, so nobody's allowed to go in the national parks. Nobody's allowed to go, you know, and own property. You know that in Australia, in Australia, you're not allowed to travel more than five kilometers from your house at this point. Wow. Yeah. I've heard a lot of disturbing things going on in Australia. All these kids that are, you know, being sent to a stadium apparently and, and without their parents consent, without their parents being there. It's definitely, you know, I've heard that that's sort of like the testing ground for the more extreme protocols that the new world order wants to put in place. But I also think that like we were saying before, we're entering an age of enlightenment, which is why things have gotten so desperate and it's gonna reach a tipping point where folks mm -hmm. who are listening to this show, listening to other shows, make a change for the better. And that's not a violent thing to do. It's a totally out of you know, the, the spirit of wanting people to be healed and healing the planet, because this system that we're fighting against is the primary cause of most people's suffering and death in a lot of ways. And I don't think that we'll ever get to a utopia where suffering is eliminated, but I definitely think that there is a parasitic entity that has controlled society for many years, thousands of years, possibly. And we're reaching a point where as human beings, we're not going to fall under that spell. We won't be cordoned into these corrals that they've created for the past hundred or 200 years. And they know that they see that coming. So this is like the death rattle, as Sam Tripoli said a couple months ago of the elite, you know, and, and I think, you know, all of these sick cases coming to light with the Epstein stuff and you see a lot of people stepping down from high positions. I don't think that Biden's going to last, you know, thing, you know, it's definitely we're heading towards something crazy, but I don't think that we're hopeless. I think there's a lot of hope and I'm curious to know, you know, other than maybe having to make an escape, what preparations you're making towards this impending apocalypse that, you know, the book of revelation, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to get book sales up. I'm just trying to do as many podcasts, do as much as I can to get the information out there. I think it's life changing, mm. you know, and I think, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't hit that point yet where I'm like, this is too much for me. Let's move, you know, but I will, I will hit that eventually. And, um, just interested to see again, you yeah. know, what they're going to do with everything that's going on.
Well, and also I, I think it is sort of a, a fear play as well. Like, you know, the media, how much of it can we trust? And maybe that's all it is, is to generate fear so that those of us who would have been in this high vibration of love and light and knowledge are then warped back down to that fear vibration that's ultimately holding back the collective, you know, and I, I tend mm -hmm. to think that that the spiritual energy has more to say about what's going on in the world than, you know, have you ever read a book? Lose. Have you ever read a book called way of the peaceful warrior? I think that, you know, synchronistically enough, I think that book's come up for me recently, but no, I've never read it, but I think you're the read it. person it's, to recommend it. It's, it was the first spirit. My mom put me on it. It was the first spiritual book that really changed my life in that aspect. Mm. Okay. It's a great read. It's fiction too. It's a fictionalized account of something real. Okay. I'll have to check it out. The way of the peaceful warrior. Is there a, what's the author's name? Dan Millman. Dan Millman. Okay. Well, I'm checking that out. And folks listening, where can they get your books? More importantly, the Into the Rabbit yes. series. So I'm on uh, Twitter at Real Mr. Dank. I'm on Facebook at Micah Dank. I have a group on Facebook called Micah Dank Into the Rabbit Hole. You could join in. I post stuff in there too. I'm on Instagram at Micah Dank. And uh, you can get my books on Amazon. It's called the Into the Rabbit Hole series. You can get my books on Amazon. However, if you're interested in getting signed copies or you don't want to go through Amazon, I sell, I must have sold thousands of copies from my house, mm. you know? So I, I always have extra copies. You know, if you will work something out with PayPal or Venmo, I'll send it to you. Even if you, you know, I would say, there you go. I would say that's the fifth book. Even if you're interested, what you can do is go to Amazon, type in into the rabbit hole beneath the veil and just read the comments from people that have left reviews. I highly recommend it folks. I think you should check it out. And when you do let Micah know that you heard it here first on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, Micah's second time on the show. Your first time was a lot different. A lot of things have changed since then in the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy world. But dude, I'm happy to have you here. I don't think I asked you the first time, but does your family think you're crazy? Yes. <laughs> they do? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> have they read yes. any of your books? My dad's actually the editor of my books. Right on. Because he, he, he's, uh, he's, that's what he's really good at. I don't think he, he's religious. So he just kind of edits the book straightforward. He doesn't really tell me, oh, that's interesting or this or that. Mm. You know, it's a very, a very unique view on things. You know, it's catching on. It really is. You know, and I have to give, uh, credit to the greats before me, like Jordan Maxwell or Santos Benoche. Speaking of really, he's going to be on, uh, with Alex Stein this week and to who is next week, Santos Bonacci. I've reached out to Santos. His work really put me on. Like it really opened the door for me. Yeah. Like I owe, I owe everything. My works are di My works are different from him and Jordan, mm. but, uh, you know, Chris from forbidden news. 
Yeah, that's actually one of the first places that I ever really, because before I listened to podcasts, I would just like look for stuff on the internet and read books. And I would always read Forbidden News articles. I never listened back then, even though it was probably possible to. But I, I yeah, that's, I love that. So Chris was at a conference, a UFO conference, and Jordan Maxwell was there. And he posted the picture on Facebook. So I texted him and I said, you have to tell him about me. I've been trying to reach out to him. I know he's old. I know he doesn't answer emails. I know he's got health problems, but I want him to know about me. Yeah. So he like told him all about me and he gave him my email. It was just really cool. And as far as Santos goes, I've talked to him many times. I do a decoding of the book of Matthew and I sent it to him at first and he wrote back. He was like, this is very accurate. This is really good stuff. You know, yeah. he's always been very, he's always been very good and very positive for me. So I, I owe everything to those two. Right on. Well, I hope to have Santos on the synchro mystic exploration of the ever expanding now, my new Patreon show. And, uh, it's basically, we split it up in half so you can get half of it free and the other half towards the end paid for, but we're going into synchronicity and the actual metaphysical psychology and tools that you can use to change your life for the better. I mean, syncretism and synchronicity, I wonder where the two collide. I know they're not. That's where I see Santos. Santos is an expert on synchronicity. Right. right. Syncretism, I should say. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's exactly. And you yourself, I mean, you do a great job of adding those synchro syncretistic truths into your books. I mean, I definitely yeah. don't have the time to read right now in my life, you know, a fiction series of five books, but I'm happy to dive into them when I have the time and I'll be sure to write a review and let you know exactly what I think, Micah, because I wouldn't want to sit here on Rockfin and bullshit you, Micah, <laughs> like I've read your book, but I'm so happy and so gracious that you sent me the, the ones that you did. And then of course, you know, putting me in, in the little acknowledgements there was so cool, man. I, I'm, I was so psyched. I told my parents, I'm like, look, I'm in a book, my name, you know, it's just, it, it's so great. And I, what did they say? Did they still, did they, did they, so do your parents still take your courtesy? I, yeah. I mean, they don't, I mean, they don't believe any of this stuff. So it's hard to explain both my parents. My mom is super, my mom is religious, but she's also super, super spiritual. Like she does like ancestral work. Okay. You're that ancestral work? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm very interested in getting someone on my show to talk about that. Actually. Right. So it's basically like we, we now know that trauma could be passed out through DNA. Right. And it's basically like working with the in the ethereal world to heal the traumas of like your grandparents and your great grandparents so that they don't affect you. Mm. So my mom does that for me. You know, so she's very spiritual, but she's still religious. My dad is super religious. Do you think that's played a part in your ability to get in touch with that other side? I literally, like, I, right? I'm literally who I am because of my parents. Mm. I never took to religion. I never did. And now I have a way to explain it. Right. I, I feel very much the same way. I mean, I, I definitely love my parents. I, you know, I hope people don't get that from the, the title of the show. I'd certainly do, but. In the ways that they're opposite to me, I recognize that those have been the factors and the forces that have shaped me to be the way I am. And maybe a little bit of you know, who I was before I incarnated here led through. But I definitely think that, you know, touching on these subjects can put you at risk. Like, 
high school, middle school, even I was always the type of person who was into things that other people weren't. So for me, this is comfortable waters. I don't care. I've always kind of been iconoclastic, even down to my height. I mean, I'm six, eight, I stand out typically. You're six, eight. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus Christ. Okay. So yeah, you will, I won't be hard to find when we do meet up, uh, in Long Island, Micah, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm gonna have to wear high heels. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, please, if you could dress up, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, please don't. But either way. Yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's why I asked that question. That's why I try to highlight folks like yourself on this show to give people some familiarity in these unfamiliar waters and, and show people that you're not alone diving into these subjects. And right. you know, if, if you put your mind to it, it can come out to be something productive and like conspiracy theorists aren't these whack jobs that are, you know, living in their parents' basement, you know, cursing the world into their fifties, you know, with nothing right. to have gained from it. I think so many people have changed their lives from the bet for the better. And, you know, in the back burner, still believe in a lot of this stuff, even though it might not be their primary source of income, getting into conspiracy theories, it's easily, it's not an easy way to go, but it's definitely not illegitimate. It's, it's something right. that's very valuable, especially in this Aquarian age. So Micah, dude, we've been going for a little while here. I appreciate you stopping, you know, everything you're doing to join me. I know it was last minute, but we had to make this happen. It's been too long. You know, back in February was our last conversation on the show. So here I am now I'm on Rockfin and this is going to be the first episode we put on Rockfin. So dude, Fantastic. thank you so much for joining me. And, and like you said, folks can get your books on amazon.com and or they can reach out to me direct. Right. And I think that's the best way to do it. You know, and get that personal touch and also check Mike out. He's not hard to find. You can find him on Alt Media United, where we have every appearance that he's ever done and more. I appreciate you being part of Alt Media United and, and just being a part of the family, you know, here and my family thinks I'm crazy. Yeah. And well, you're immortalized in a book now. <laughs> that, that's it. I, and yeah. And I hope to join you in the ranks of authors one day. It's definitely inspiring. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Right on. Well, hey, I'll let you get back to your day and I plan on seeing you in Long Island soon. With that, folks, thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Support us on Rockfin and Patreon and all the other ways. Either way, peace out. Join us on the journey. My heroes, thanks for listening. Aren't robot voices weird? You better join us on our Patreon if you want to see behind the scenes. Patreon.com slash MFTIC join today. I never said the things I said when I was out of my head. And you were out of your mind. Or still inside. Dancing between the lines of the universe. The way things come together.
Thank you for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. We truly appreciate you now go enjoy a plate of spotted dick. Get out the hash some wacky tobacky and roll it up, light it up, smoke it up, baby. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.